from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now listen for God's word again as it comes to us through the gospel of Mark chapter 3. If you'd like to follow along, it is on page 35 of your New Testament section of your pew Bible. And I'll be reading verses 19, well, half, half of verse 19 on into 35 because verse 20 starts in the middle of a sentence. Listen again for the word of God. Then he went home, Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. 
So with this difficult passage, the way the sermon came to me today was from what I call and what others call a point of view sermon. If you've never heard a point of view sermon before, it's basically when the preacher takes on a character in God's scripture story and talks about how that character might feel and think about what's going on in the scripture. So the voice that I heard most loudly in this story, besides Jesus's voice, was the voice of his mother, Mary. So as you hear these words that came to my heart, you may hear your own mother, you may hear your own self, or you may hear another voice from your life entirely, but in these words, above all, listen for God's voice. I knew that he was a special child. The angel told me that when I found out I would give birth to him. So when I heard about him healing, I didn't feel surprised. That's exactly what I expected this holy child to be doing. I knew that he would lift up the lowly. So when I heard about him healing people with diseases, forgiving sins, and casting out all manner of demons, I knew that he was doing God's will. I knew that he would feed the hungry. So when he sat at the table with the lowly, the outcast, the tax collectors, the sinners, I felt joyful that those starving for God's love were being fed. And when he and the disciples took the grains of wheat from the field to feed those in need, Jesus remembered when David shared the bread of the presence with his hungry friends. I felt overjoyed that he fed the hungry both in spiritual and tangible ways. I knew that he would come to the aid of his servant Israel. They told me about how a man with a skin disease was healed. And when I heard that Jesus told the man to offer a sacrifice to Thanksgiving as Moses commanded through God, I felt happy that Jesus honored his Jewish heritage. And I felt so proud of him when I heard that he took my advice and kept reminding the disciples and those healed not to go spreading the word too far just yet. I felt relieved that he was still trying to keep things on the down low, just to be safe. But I didn't think about how offensive it would be when he pulled the powerful down from their thrones. This ragtag band of apostles, these fishermen and tradesmen, these folks he picked up off the shoreline and the street, these folks he chose to help him lead in the way are just too poor, too messy, too awkward to replace the wealthy, clean, and law-abiding religious leaders. I didn't think about how dangerous it would be when he scattered the arrogant and the proud They say that when he healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath, the Pharisees got together to plot how to kill him. I was so worried when people reported to me how much the word had gotten out about who he was. And so when Jesus came back home, I found an opportunity to get him back to safety. After all, there were so many people gathered around him, they wouldn't even let him eat. The nerve! Anyway, the crowd told me whose home he went to, and I had to find a way to save his image, if not his life. So I rushed to the house. I knew Jesus wasn't crazy. I knew what he was sent to do. 
I knew who he was, and yet I still thought I could save him. As a mother, I thought I should save him. Oh, the irony. So I came up with an excuse. I told him that he must be out of his mind. It wasn't entirely a lie. Any child of mine who doesn't get enough to eat must feel out of his mind after all. His brothers and I called for him to come back with us. Just rest, get away from the crowd, get something to eat, come back to safety. But it was already too late. The legal experts pressed in on him, and then came the accusation. All that healing, mercy, forgiveness, feeding of the hungry, that came from an evil spirit. None of that came from God. They said, Jesus' authority must be from the evil powers. I felt angry. How could they accuse my child, the one sent to save everyone, the one sent to heal and forgive and show mercy, how could they accuse him of such a heinous thing? And then I felt concerned. If people believe this, how will God's reign be able to break in and steal away the evil powers? If people believe this, how can Jesus do what he came to do? When he started addressing his accusers, I felt worried. Jesus was completely ignoring his brothers and me. What would he say? Would he say it correctly? Would they get angrier? What were they going to do to my son? And then he spoke. How can I cast out demons if I'm one myself? If I were a demon and I chose to cast out my own kind, I would be destroying myself. Where's the logic in that? That was a reasonable enough response. After all, those accusing him were using pretty faulty logic, and I know my son is intelligent enough to spot that. I wanted to get him out of there before he said anything dangerous, but he kept talking. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Oh, no. He did it. He just named their sin. They deliberately declared that the spirit of God is actually a spirit of evil. He is Jesus. I will give him that. But he didn't have to say it out loud. There was no telling what they would do next. I had to get him out of there. My other sons and I called to him again. The crowd sent word to him, and then they sent his word back to us. At first, I felt quite defensive. I thought, you mean to tell me that after all I've done for you, I'm not your mother anymore? After all the love your brothers have shown to you, despite your reckless behavior, you mean to tell me that they're not your brothers? We're not your family? And don't even get me started about why Joseph didn't show up. After all, Jesus was shirking the family carpentry business by practicing all this healing and forgiveness and mercy. But I thought a minute about what he said. Anyone who does God's will is his mother, sister, and brother. Anyone. He didn't say we weren't his family anymore. He just expanded what it means to be family. 
I guess I forgot about how joyful I felt when I praised God for choosing me to bear him into this world. I forgot what God told me through that angel about who Jesus is. At first, I felt angry and offended at the accusation that Jesus was consumed by an evil spirit. What people said and thought about my son seemed so important to me. But although he is my child, he is first and foremost God's child. God created him, named him, and claimed him for the work God wants done in the world. At first, I felt concerned that Jesus wouldn't be able to work out God's will if people believed he was consumed by an evil spirit. But then I realized that regardless of what people believe, God will still work out God's will through Jesus. And regardless of what I believe, God will still work out God's will in and through me, no matter how long it takes for me to open myself to God. When Jesus started addressing his accusers, I felt worried that he would say something that resulted in risk to his life. But now I realize that no matter how hard I try to call him back to the comfort and safety of my hearth and home, I cannot control or tame the incarnate word of God. And so I felt worried when people reported to me how much the word had gotten out about who he was. But word had gotten out about who he was. Isn't that what we wanted? To spread the word? Jesus, the very embodiment of good news, the very embodiment of God, the living word, needed to be shared regardless of the consequences. I thought I could tame him. I thought I could save him. Jesus, God's incarnate word. The thing is, the more good Jesus does, the more Jesus does God's will, the more we do God's will in Jesus' name, the less tame Jesus seems. As fast as the word has spread about all this healing, mercy, forgiveness that Jesus has practiced, I wonder what will happen when the word spreads even farther. I wonder what will happen when Jesus has gone to be with God, how people will react to these stories told about him. How will people know who Jesus' mother, sister, and brother are? Will they identify themselves by doing the will of God? Will they rise up to heal, forgive, and show mercy? Who will, need, who will need Jesus' followers to lift them up? How will they need to be lifted up? Who will need Jesus' followers to show mercy? What sins will need forgiveness? What physical and mental health ailments will need healing? Who will need to be fed? Who will need physical bread and who will need spiritual bread? Who will face material poverty and who will face spiritual poverty? And when followers perform these acts in Jesus' name, will people think they are possessed? Will they accuse his followers of blasphemy? Will they get upset when his followers sit down with the wrong kinds of people? 
What risk will Jesus' mothers, brothers, and sisters face when they do God's will? Joining Jesus' family is not tame work, but it is good work. It is working out God's will. I pray that they will know what it means to be in Jesus' family. I pray that God's family will forever grow by remembering and enacting God's will of healing, forgiveness, and mercy. Amen. Let us stand and join together in our affirmation of faith. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we trust in the one triune God. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating without casts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image, male and female, of every race and people to live as one community. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit everywhere, the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor, and binds us together with all believers in the one body of the, the church. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. And let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that your son was a part of this world in a real way, fully human. We thank you for the genuine interactions that he had with those around him, for the conversations, the arguments, for the accusations against him and being willing to move forward knowing the consequences. God, we thank you that he healed. We thank you that he cast out. We thank you that he forgave sins. And God, we thank you that his love now even walks with us, and we may know that it is as real as when he walked with his disciples in that world. God, we ask where there is sorrow today, where sudden heartbreak has come upon us, that God's spirit through Jesus may be upon each of these people. 
God, we ask that where there is consternation and confusion about decisions to be made in this life, that your clarity and calm may be upon those. And God, we ask that as we seek to follow you, as we seek to follow the path of Christ, that you will strengthen us and renew us, that you will allow this church to be part of your kingdom and allow us to walk the road knowing quite possibly what the consequences could lead to. Be with this congregation as a whole in this city, in the world. Be with our mission teams coming and going. Be with us in all of who we are and in all who you will have us be. And so we pray in the name of Jesus now the prayer that he taught his disciples, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us return to God. Let us give of ourselves from what we have and what we have been given.
Let us pray. Oh God, we ask that you would receive these gifts just as you receive us, and that you would bless these gifts just as you bless us, and that you would use them for your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, just as you use us. Fill us with your spirit. May it guide us, and may we know your truth and guidance through the ways you lead us to ministry. Amen.